This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Fed Life, a weekly roundup of news about federal pay and benefits, employment policy, and investing and retirement planning. Brought to you by WEPA. Here's your host, Tom Temin. Hello and welcome to the show. Lots of people put a neatly tied ending to their federal careers by retiring on December 31st. Next year, New Year's Day is Monday, so you could wake up and maybe have a mimosa. But in the next 60 days, you've got some serious final planning to do. Details now from a happy federal retiree, Abe Grungold. Abe, I guess let's start with, is December 31st one of those popular dates? Yes, Tom, December 31st is a popular date to retire because you can start the new year in a new tax profile as a retiree. It also helps you with the annual leave that you will receive at the end of the year. And December 31st is an important day because it usually is the last day of a pay period in the year in which you can retire. And that's important to sort of go out in in a new pay period so you don't have to have a lag in receiving that first retirement check that you will not receive until February 1st. Right, assuming OPM can figure it out by February 1st, because sometimes it takes a little longer than that too, doesn't it? Well, you get something, you just don't get the final. The final payment would come sometime later, but your interim payment would start February 1st, which is 70% of what you are estimated to get for an annuity. It's funny that they don't start figuring it out three months before you retire (laughs) and they're ready to go when you do retire. Hey, I think I just solved their problem, but they have to listen. Well, Tom, there is an excellent reason for that is because your retirement does not begin until you have officially left your agency. You have to officially walk out the door, and that's when your retirement application is sent to OPM from your agency. Now, as a federal employee, let's say you you have some reservations about retiring. You have until 4 o'clock on December 31st to change your mind. So there are people that do do that. Got it. Well, when I have reservations on retiring, they'll be for a very good steakhouse, I think. (laughs) All right. Well, 60 days now between when we're talking and the end of the year, roughly. And you've got some work to do, correct? Presuming you've gone through the course and you've made your Medicare, all all that jazz you have to select for yourself. But it's not done yet, though, is it? Well, Tom, you know, you spent 20 to 30 years in a federal career you should spend two months on preparing your federal retirement application, which is 14 pages long. You should not rush through it. You need to answer every question, and you need to gather all the information that's necessary to fill out that document. And it's so important to review something called the EOPF, your official personnel folder that contains every document for your entire federal career. It's important to review all of it. And what is the state of those documents these days? Because if you started a long time ago, stuff might have been on paper. And is it a combination of electronic and paper? 
Well, some agencies still have the folder, the hard copy folder, and a lot of agencies have transferred that hard copy folder into an electronic PDF that if your agency has some sort of a sophisticated HR system, you can download your EOPF and to a PDF and it should be in chronological form from the first day that you applied with your application with the government to the present. And it should really be in chronological form. Now, some agencies may still have the old hard copy, and you should be able to get access to it if necessary. Just to be clear, the EOPF is not a form, but you need that information for the form. The EOPF is all the forms that you have filled out during your federal career, health insurance, life insurance, the actual form itself, it's kept in a folder, and that's what's called your personnel folder. And so that's the, the S- information you need for the SF-3107 then. Yeah, the SF-3107 is the actual application to retire. And if you need to go back historically the EOPF has that information. But historically, really what you need are all the dates of service for every agency that you have worked for, part-time or full-time during your uh, federal career. We're speaking with Abe Grungold. He is a federal retired manager himself and also owner of AG Financial Services. And so if you are starting out in your career and you plan to be around a while, I guess maybe good advice is to make your own copies of everything that's going into that EOPF just in case you would have a backup copy of your own. Certainly, I kept many, many copies of documents that I had filled out during my 36 years in the government. But the best way is to download that EOPF. And I think mine was somewhere around 250 pages of documents that I had filled out in 36 years. And you can go through it. It's really kind of reminiscing through your federal career to go back through those early records, but it will have everything in there and it will help you to fill out your federal retirement application. Now that's one step and the most important step is filling out that SF-3107 and at only 14 pages, it's kind of a piker compared to some of the SF forms, you know. But nevertheless, you got to get the details right. But that's not the only thing you do. What, what's a good policy for timing of notifying your agency, notifying the government that you would like to retire? Well, I have seen people <laughs> notify their agency one day and retire at the end of the day. And they still were able to fill out their 14-page application. But the really best way to do it is several months ahead of time because you need to fill out the form. You need to contact your HR department to schedule an appointment. They need to go over it with you. And it's sort of a back and forth to make sure that you have filled out every question correctly. And every person is different. And a lot of the questions depends on certain choices that you make and those choices can have an effect on you 
which could be hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars, depending on the decision that you make. So it is important to go over each and every question on that form. Yes, if you're calculating, say, your high threes or planning on your high salaries, that could affect your timing too. Wouldn't you want a full year of getting that high salary? Yes, you you definitely want your high three calculated. But what's more important is to calculate every time period that you were working for the government because that's an important part of the formula. So let's say you have figured out that you have 30 years of federal service, but then let's say you worked one year in the Peace Corps or you worked for a judge in law school and you have forgotten those years or those time periods. Those time periods, if you document them on your federal retirement application, it will increase the value of your annuity. And with respect to having OPM calculate your final annuity, are there common or make sure you avoid types of errors that you can make on that form that could get it hung up in OPM? Yes. I mean, certainly if you have any gaps in your federal career, so let's say you worked for seven years, you left for a year, and then you came back, they may follow up with you to verify that that actually happened. And another big problem that holds uh, uh, the final payment from OPM is if you have experienced a divorce. And if you have a divorce, you need to have all your paperwork contained with your attached to your federal retirement application because you will be owed something possibly to your uh, ex-spouse and you uh, OPM make sure make sure that that those payments are sent to the ex-spouse. So yes, you have to have those documents in those. Uh, attachments. And earlier you said there is that phenomenon of some people deciding as the date approaches, they get cold feet and so they postpone. And what happens if you change your mind? Yes. So let's take the example of someone who's interested in retiring December 31st and they are really not sure about that. So there are other dates during the year which are beneficial to federal employees and let's say they want to work another couple months and they want to go to the end of February or they want to go to the end of July because they're really not sure about retiring. A lot of people can retire at age 57 when they meet their when they meet their minimum retirement age and then they realize that they don't know what they what they're going to do with themselves when they do retire. So then they have second doubts about retiring. And that's normal. That's normal for anyone. So yes, you can pull back your retirement application on the last day, December 31st, and say, look, I want to hold off. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's a decision people make. Abe Grungold is a retired federal manager and owner of AG Financial Services. We'll take a short break. And when we return, a review of the latest Federal Employee Viewpoint survey scores. You're listening to FedLife here on Federal News Network. I'm Tom Temin.
Welcome back to FedLife here on Federal News Network. Job satisfaction across the federal government appears headed to be in the right direction. At least it's not getting any worse. No huge jumps, but figures the Office of Personnel Management released just this week show slight upticks in measures of how employees view their workplaces. Earlier, I spoke with two people who have been looking closely at the numbers, Federal News Network's Jared Serbu and Drew Friedman. I guess let's start with a review of the numbers themselves. Yeah, Tom, I think the main thing that jumps out at you is, as you said, none of these jumps are enormous. We're talking one or two percentage point uh, increases on each of these key indicators. But I think the thing that strikes me is they're really across the board. On all of the numbers that OPM tracks that really matter, you do see these increases. There's really no area in which um, the government is losing direction, when you, at least when you look government-wide. So, for example, you, you see figures like 68% of people now saying that they're satisfied with their jobs, which is up two percentage points from, 2000, uh, 20, from 2022. And then the big kahuna that OPM kind of touts all the time, and, and really the biggest composite score that they look to each year. In 2023, that's at 72%, up just one uh, one percentage point from the year before. And then several of the components that make up that composite score also went up this year. Um, the, the, the key ones that OPM points to are what they call leaders lead, that's sort of employees' perceptions of the quality of their leadership, and intrinsic work experience. That that gets back to that first number that I mentioned, that 68% of people saying that they are you know overall satisfied with their jobs. Andrew, do you think that the fact that several hundred thousand federal employees finally settled union contracts in the past year. Could that be part of it? It's possible. I mean, there have been a lot of things that have changed over the past year that could be attributed to this change in score. For example, one of the big changes we saw this year was the OMB memo back in April uh, that announced return to office or changes to telework for federal employees. That's something where I'm not sure how much that feeds into the FEBS results this year, just because the FEBS was surveyed out in May of this year. So we may not see the full impact of that, for example, until next year's survey results. But there have been a lot of changes this year. So it's interesting to see more steady results of that. And on the telework piece, Tom, I mean, what one thing I have to say is a bit annoying is OPM keeps changing the way they ask the questions about telework so that it's very difficult to track year to year. To be fair, they have not been doing telework questions on FEBS for very long, but they asked it differently this year than last year. So it's a little hard to tell what's going on there, partly for the reasons Drew just talked about. A lot of these return to work actions happened late in fiscal year. 2023. So it's hard to know if the survey really captured a lot of that. But from the data that we can see, it really does not look like there's been a huge decrease in telework, at least at the time that the survey was collected. There's only 6% of the workforce that said they were not approved to telework in 2022. That figure stayed exactly the same in 2023. And OPM asked a new question on this year's survey, which was, do you telework every day? And 14% still said yes. So if you just look at those numbers, it looks like there may even be an increase in telework in 2023 compared to 2022. But is it fair to say that OPM is not trying to juice it by revising the questions? I mean, that would not be give you comparable year to year and would give them kind of a propaganda point, which this is not about that. Yeah, Drew may have some thoughts on this, but but I, I, I would say OPM, from what we have heard from leadership, is fairly supportive of telework with some caveats. And maybe we'll let uh, Kieran Ahuja, the director of OPM, explain her views herself. This is Ahuja speaking last week at the ELC conference in Hershey, Pennsylvania. What we're seeing and what we're understanding is that the hybrid work environment is, I think, the place of the future. Like, we're not going to go back to a pre-pandemic environment. 
That is about recruitment and how that's key to your recruitment, especially in the IT workforce. So we get it. I think we've increased the number of remote positions in the federal government. If you go on USA Jobs, there's a lot more. But I think we also need to understand the value of in-person um, engagement. And I think that is part of creating the balance that we need. And Tom, I'm speculating a little bit here, but it's possible that that 14% who say they are teleworking every day, that may come from that increase in purely remote positions. I don't think we know for sure yet. And one of the most important scores, Drew, is what people think of leadership, and that's holding pretty steady, which is kind of interesting given the teleworking phenomenon because people simply aren't in contact in person, visually, you know, and within actual earshot of their bosses in many cases. Absolutely. You know, this is one that is pretty interesting to track, Tom, just because looking, for example, last year in 2022, Febs, you saw a really steep difference between employees' perceptions of top leaders versus their immediate supervisors. This is always a trend that we see where the immediate supervisors are generally regarded to have, you know, more positive perceptions from their employees. But in 2022, just last year, you saw a much steeper uh, gap than usual. This has closed a little bit this year. The perception of supervisors, for example, stayed exactly at 80%, pretty positive. But for these top leaders, there was a 2% increase. So they went from 59 up to 61%. So that's an interesting trend to watch over time. But it is it does stay pretty much on that path every year. And by the way, with respect to telework, what were the response rates like this year? Response rates were up quite a bit this year, interestingly, and it's hard to know if that correlates exactly with the increase in scores across the board that we saw. But in 2023, there were 39% of the people who were eligible actually responded. That's 626,000 feds, so a really massive data set in these 100 or so questions. There was a 35% response rate last year, um, so so pretty big difference from 35 to 39%. I guess then we could summarize almost by saying that with the telework continuing, it really doesn't seem to have that much effect on people's ability to work and how they feel about their work. In some sense, underscoring the trend toward people not coming into the office en masse every day of the week. I would say that's something that we might not be full, seeing the full picture just quite yet. Uh, as I mentioned, those results are, or the, the survey was distributed in May, so largely before we saw a lot of agencies even announcing their return to office plans. That's something that came much later in the summer and into the fall. Now we're seeing those plans being carried out. A lot of employees now having to return to the office more often than they have been used to for the last couple of years. So it'll be most likely in next year's FEBS that we'll see the full results or full impacts of those changes that you know, employees have said for the past couple of years, they enjoy generally teleworking, they feel more productive. So I think it'll be interesting to see over time. And at this point, we don't know the agency by agency results. We don't know whether the Marine Mammal Commission is the most satisfied agency of the small ones or whatever. When does that all come out? So there's not an exact timeline, but generally we'll see that a couple weeks out from the raw data that OPM releases for FEVs. So maybe around early December, if I had to guess. And then in the couple months after that, we'll also see the Partnership for Public Services, Best Places to Work rankings, which is based off a couple different uh, data points in FEVs as well. So that'll tell a little bit more of the agency-specific story for 2023. OPM made a point in its kind of executive summary of comparing these results to the Gallup survey that 
that looks at the general working world in the uh, private sector. Yeah, that's right. And, and that gets kind of back to the point that we started with, which is even though the increases are small, the trajectory and the sort of across the board nature of these increases, I think, is, is what's worth looking at. And that's in contrast, as OPM points out, to what we see in private sector survey data on employee engagement, which is, you know, Gallup is kind of the authoritative source there. The questions are different. The indices are different. So you can't do one to one comparisons. But the the overall private sector employment employee uh, engagement index has been dropping uh, for several consecutive years now by small increments, but dropping. Federal News Network's Drew Friedman and Jared Serbu. Federal News Network's Jared Serbu and Drew Friedman. And that's it for this week's FedLife. We'll be back next week with more about your professional and financial life. I'm Tom Temin. This is Federal News Network. Thanks for listening to FedLife here on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and any past episodes anytime at federalnewsnetwork.com or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Search FedLife.